Hey friend, I'm Laura Lee and welcome to Living in the Light. Each week, I will sit down with a friend who is an artist or creative as they share their story of how Jesus brought them from the dark and into His glorious and powerful light. At the end of each episode, I'll be diving into a passage of scripture and bringing you truth straight from the Word of God. This is a space for you to be encouraged and to remember that your story matters and that with God, even the broken parts of your story can have incredible purpose and meaning. I'm here to bring real life to light. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. I'm recording this the week of Thanksgiving, and I am feeling the heaviness of the moment with you all as we head into the holiday season during this global pandemic. There are so many new challenges that we are all having to navigate through right now, and sometimes it feels a little impossible to know how to process. I am thankful that in the middle of it all, we have purpose, that we can cling to Christ and his word and trust in the words from Paul in Philippians 4, where he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Recently, I've had the privilege of talking to a couple of guests whose stories and artistry are real-life examples of the power of loving your neighbor and living a life of generosity. In episode 13, I had on Kiwani Vallejo Cook from Compassion International, And she told us her story growing up in the Philippines in poverty and how one person's generosity changed her life. I'm still learning about what this looks like in my everyday life. And I just want to thank you for joining me on this journey as we learn about God's heart for the poor, the marginalized, the widows, and the orphans. Because the truth is, they aren't just in Kenya and in the Philippines. There are real needs and there are impoverished communities everywhere we look. I hope that through my conversation today that you walk away with a heart a little bit softer and eyes and hands open to letting God use you to be a part of loving and serving those who are in need all around you. Today on the podcast, I talked to my friend Anna Taylor, who founded and runs the nonprofit James 127 and the fashion company Judith and James. James 127 Foundation brings God's hope to widows and orphans through artistry, by providing free sewing training to vulnerable women in Kenya. James 127 was founded on the Bible verse James 127, which says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Through James 127, the widowed women learn to create beautiful products that lead to a sustainable means to provide for themselves and for their families. Anna grew up in Arkansas and she went to college here. And after an experience in Kenya with her family, seeing the beautiful aesthetic of the African artistry and the rampant poverty and the needs of the women there, she decided to give up everything here to give to the women there. She brings the hope and the light of Jesus to women whose hope has been lost due to AIDS, death, and poverty, and their clothing has been featured at New York Fashion Week. It's unreal. Artistry and Jesus today, this is a story that will bring you hope. Here's my conversation with my friend, Anna Taylor. 
Hey, Anna, welcome to the podcast. I am so glad to have you on the show. Anna is in Kenya, you guys. What time is it in Kenya, Anna? It is 5.50 p.m., almost 6, the end of the workday. That's crazy. And I am just beginning my day at 8 a.m. over here. So it is wild. (laughs) Technology is crazy that we can connect from literally across the world and talk and see each other's faces right now. So yeah, um, such a blessing. Such a blessing. Well, Anna, I just want to dive in to you. Um, You do a lot of serving and you run and founded a nonprofit and we're going to get into all of that, but I just want to talk about your own story and how you've experienced the light of Jesus, how he's come in and changed your life. Thank you so much, Laurelie. I'm very excited to be here and cannot wait to share more about my life, but also about how Jesus has transformed it. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the ways is definitely through his light. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen tremendous darkness in the world in the United States and in Kenya, and the world is a very broken place. In my life personally, I've seen darkness try to destroy me and destroy those I love Mm -hmm. and bring a significant amount of despair into the community here in Kenya where I'm working. But the light of Jesus is the only thing that I can credit for the victories that I've found in Christ. And the light 10 out of 10 times conquers the darkness. Yeah. Amen. So I rest in that. Yes. Rest in that. Yes. Now, Anna and I are both from Arkansas. Anna, when you were growing up, was there a time that you feel like the Lord just came into your life and um, just gave you this vision for what you have now founded and created over in Kenya? Yes, I would say there are a few times. One time in particular was when I was in Guatemala. I was around 13 years old. And I remember going up this dirt road into a muddy village and a small hut that was housing a church. And I remember seeing these women in all of their beautiful textiles. You know, the Guatemalan style has quite a bit of woven fabric that's bright, bright colors. So I remember seeing these women raising their hands and we were Mm. all praising the same God. And I think there's a connection internationally for women who are in like experiencing God's beauty and light and life, Mm. wearing brightly colored textiles. Part of it was tied together through my experience in Guatemala. And then another part of the story was when I went to Rwanda as a 19 year old and I saw some women who really needed help and they were wearing the African Katange. So another textile that's very signature over here. Um, I remember seeing these women and feeling connected to them and thinking about how I could bring that material to the United States and also empower the women who are making the clothing with it. So I would say experiences in other cultures were when I really captured the vision. Hmm. So for those who are listening, who maybe don't know about what you do, will you just share with us um, what James 127 is and your heart behind it? Yes. So James 127 Foundation is a nonprofit organization that provides vocational training for widows and orphans. Hmm. Women who are living under the international poverty line, which is a dollar and 90 cents per day. And primarily women who are living with HIV AIDS 
our single mothers or our young mothers. So women who are between 19 and 26 who have one or more children, that is our target. And we bring them into this sewing training program, but it also creates community because many of these women feel marginalized in society. So when they come together, they are singing worship songs, praising God, having Mm -hmm. a daily devotional. And it really helps also to like knit together their hearts while they're learning a technical skill. So the vocational training that we provide is tailoring and we have partnered with a government organization that certifies them. So at the end of the training, they're Kenyan certified tailors and that provides them also with a pretty high requirement for their wages. Um, Mm. So that protects them also as they are vulnerable and marginalized people groups that certification really protects them here in Kenya. That's amazing. Well, Anna, here on the podcast, we talk about being creatives and how we experience the Lord through artistry. And you have built an organization that through artistry is bringing sustainability to women, giving them jobs, getting them off the streets. I love that art and creation is at the center of what you do. How have you seen the artistry bring these women passion and purpose? The women feel embraced when their work is appreciated and they truly feel pleasure when they create something beautiful. Art Mm. and artistry can also be very therapeutic. And the beauty of taking a piece of fabric and turning it into something beautiful that someone can wear or hang on their house is truly remarkable. Mm. And seeing a woman's like face light up when she makes something notable is also deeply touching Many of these women have been working in the slums and they have been selling tomatoes or selling chicken's feet or washing someone's clothes for a few shillings a day. So most of the work that they have been doing has not given them so much joy or confidence or delight. So I think giving them something artistic has brought out the joy in their work and actually helped them to feel creative and inspired It's not just a small job. They call them small jobs in the slums where they're basically doing whatever it takes to get by. But I would say adding in an element of art and creativity has really helped to awaken their senses and provide them with a new type of dignity that they haven't experienced before. Wow. Well, here on the podcast, Anna, we bring real life to light. And I'm just thinking about all you've given up and, um, all you've had to learn probably in this process that I know you started this when you were in college, um, you felt called over there. I can't imagine this has been an easy journey of sacrifice. So I just want to spend some time talking about maybe the challenges that you faced with this journey, starting a nonprofit and trusting in the God given dream he's put on your heart. Yes. Well, I faced many challenges through this journey My initial intention was to give strength and dignity to women in Kenya through vocational training and employment. And I grew up in a very loving, encouraging society and a very tight group of Christian women who were basically feeding into my soul every single day. And then moving to Kenya, I was relatively isolated and surrounded by people who were not following God, like many Europeans over here. And then you know, was disconnected from my group back home in Arkansas. Yeah. So throughout time, I mean, my strength and dignity was taken from me through various oppositions. I've had opposition in my family, from friends, from partners, 
the heart is truly the wellspring of life and Satan knows how to get to us and bring us down. Yeah. So, I mean, I found myself face down on the ground feeling like I couldn't even get off the floor and literally had weeks where I felt like I couldn't send more than a few emails a day, just like, so experiencing the depths of grief personally. Yeah. Um, but standing up and embracing Christ's light and moving forward has been a mark of victory for me. So my victories haven't always been financial or what society says deserves a nod of approval, but some have been material, even though many have also been victories in personal battles. I think that whatever we're focused on providing for other people, like the light that we're trying to shine in the world is also a place that Satan tries to attack us specifically. Yeah. Like he doesn't want us to be giving from our hearts. He wants yeah. us to be completely flat on the floor. For sure. But we're, yeah, where opposition and darkness tell me to quit, Jesus keeps me going and he continues to open doors for me and the women in Kenya here. Mm. So one, mo one moment when I was in pretty deep despair, I had someone call and tell me that God had put me on their heart and he wanted to donate money to my organization to provide for an upcoming order that we had committed to. And he was flying to Little Rock to meet with me the next weekend. So I felt like honestly, the light was shining even brighter in the dark times in my life and in mm. my journey with Judith and James and the foundation. Um, so sacrificing, you know, friendships in the States and, sacrificing relationships has been really hard for me, but also I would say throughout time with technology and even during Corona, how everyone connects on zoom calls, I feel like Jesus has really given back and restored a lot of those relationships and some of the sacrifices that I had um, experienced through this journey. Anna, will you tell us about Judith and just yes. that story of what inspired Judith and James? Yeah. So when I was 19, I was in the slums in Kenya speaking with a pastor who I'd known since I was 16. And I told him a small vision that I had to provide employment for women in Kenya by making things that I would sell in the United States. And I told him that I'd like to focus on widows and orphans because of the Bible verse, James 127. Mm. And he encouraged me. He told me, why don't you move over here and start something? I have a few widows that you can work with. So he connected me with Judith. And when I met her, we were in his house in the slums and she had ripped clothes and she wouldn't even lift her eyes off the floor. And then I, of course, was 19 and naive. It was just like an interesting connection with her. But the more we started working, the more we built trust and also our friendship developed. So from the beginning, she had sewing skills and I only had taken one sewing class in university and really didn't know much. So I leaned on her knowledge and then I created products that I thought might sell in the United States. So that's how Judith and I started working together. But Judith's personal story is that she has nine children in her care and only three of them she gave birth to, but the rest are from her brothers and sisters who died of AIDS. So AIDS has basically devastated her family and she's one of the few survivors. Um, she is also battling AIDS, but she's a strong woman with a lot of hope and the will to survive and also incredible trust in God. So she's providing for, you know, so many people in her family and just managing her money and her time and her resources and talents very, very well. And 
doing a tremendous job at my company and also leading the other women in our organization. She's truly a partner in the work and then also a partner personally for me in regards to our friendship. I mean, she's a steady source of support, encouragement and wisdom in my life and just such a role model for me. In today's episode, I mentioned Compassion International. I love this organization because they are holistically meeting needs and bringing education, medical care, and the light of Jesus to children in extreme poverty. Here at Living in the Light, I am partnering with Compassion to help bring more children into the light. Through this organization, you can be part of the solution. If you will sponsor a child through Compassion, I want to give you a Christmas present. So Anna and the women at Judith and James have made everyone who sponsors a handmade scrunchie, and we're going to deliver it straight to you. And more fun, for all of you who sponsor, I'm hosting an exclusive virtual Christmas party for you so we can gather together and celebrate the gift of giving. Head over to the show description to find out more about sponsoring a child today. Now, back to my conversation with Anna. Anna, a few weeks ago, I talked to my friend Kiwani um, from Compassion International, and we just talked about generosity and how it's so important right now for us to be thinking about how COVID-19 is impacting not only our little lives here in the States, but people who are living in extreme poverty And you're seeing this, you're witnessing this firsthand every single day. Um, So why do you think it's important to live by the verse, James 1.27, to care for the orphans and the widows and the people, the marginalized that are on the outskirts of society? That's a great question, Loralee. Thank you for asking that. My response would be that our calling is to love Christ, to be loved by Him, enjoy Mm -hmm. Him, and love others. And that calling doesn't change even in a time of COVID-19 when there's a significant amount of panic and tremendous amount of uncertainty. When we bring that love of Christ and love of others and enjoyment of Him into our work and our life, the world changes. So when there's a pandemic, people need a solution, but also our internal compass stays the same. So our love for Christ is to lead us through every day, no matter what's happening in the world. But for me, following James 127, the Bible verse that says to care for widows and orphans and keep oneself from being polluted by the world brings me closer to God's heart and his love for me. Mm-hmm. So I think at all times and in all situations, our calling stays the same. And that's truly our guide. And serving the poor and the marginalized, giving to them, building relationships with them. The intention in my heart when I started my organizations was to really strengthen my personal relationship with Christ. Mm. Like if you love your husband and he loves to go fishing, you probably will go fishing with him sometimes, but God makes it so clear. Yeah. But God makes it so clear that his heart is for the broken, for the marginalized, for the poor, like for us to serve the poor is to also bring us closer to God's heart and like truly like, pursue him in a way that also brings us more love too. Like it's really truly to strengthen our love and our relationship with Christ first, because we know he has the resources. He has every ability to provide for these people, but he wants to work with us and through us because it strengthens his heart towards us and our heart towards him. So at the end of the day, it's about love and also 
about following our calling, no matter what the situation is and no matter what conditions change, our calling stays the same. And that's truly to be our guide. I love that because I love that you said it's from your heart of just love for God and understanding of his love for you and, and wanting to live that out because you know that you know, that's your, that is your calling. Um, but it's an expression like loving yes. and serving them is an expression of love. Yes, for God. Yes, and yes. I think if you listen to this and you say like, Oh, I'm not loving and serving the poor and the orphans and the widowed. And so therefore I'm a bad person or therefore I'm not doing this, this, and this that God told me to. And that's just not, that's not what God wants. Like God doesn't want us yes. to, to manipulate us into like following some rules. Yes. He wants our heart to become like his heart. And as we delight ourselves in him, that expression just flows out of us. And uh, you're such an example of that, Anna. Thank you. You are too. How has your time in Kenya changed the way you see and understand God's love? The women in Kenya are rich in relationships, which is what God desires for all of us. Mm. In the United States, there's a significant amount of disconnect due to social media and the busyness of people's schedules and also the focus on possessions sometimes as a priority over relationships and people. So in the United States, sometimes I feel like we are relationally poor Mm. and I see God's love poured out in relationships here. Yeah. So I think the relational side of God's love, like how he really desires for us to be in a community, I've seen and understood God's love more through my relationships with women here yeah. in the way that they care for each other and love for love each other and truly carry each other's burdens in ways that are remarkable. I would yeah. say that's the greatest way that I've seen and understood God's love here. And then I would like to commend you, Laura Lee, because I've been impressed with the way that you have created relationships and created community in the United States, even through a time like COVID. Like you've done a really good job of that. And that type of connection and intentionality and like willingness to hold each other's hearts, bear each other's burdens and live day to day with other people. That's the type of connection that I see here in Kenya, but also I've seen you create that in the United States, even through this podcast, which is incredible. So thank you too Mm -hmm. for doing that. But thanks. The women in Kenya, yes, you're welcome. The women in Kenya are very naturally connected to each other. It's I imagine part of the system here. Yes. It's like how society works. But I've also seen a lot about God's love through that. Yeah. And I also imagine that they just define faith in a different way than we can even experience over here. Uh, I just think of the verse where it says, when we are weak, then we are strong. And when you are that weak, when you need to rely on the Lord for your daily sustenance, for your just needs that we can't even imagine. How, give us like just a day in the life of a woman in your organization. Yes, well, I was struck by exactly what you're saying. When I was 19 and I was just starting the nonprofit, I was in the sewing center one day and one of the ladies, a student in our training program, she was a little bit late to class. And I asked her why she was late and she said she was looking for small money to be able to buy food for dinner that night. Mm -hmm. And I was shocked because living in the United States and university at that time, I was not thinking along those lines of daily bread 
Yeah. But she she smiled though. I asked her if she found anything and she said no. But then she smiled and said, but God will provide so mm-hmm. confidently. Like she had so much joy on her face and trust and rest. She wasn't stressed at all. And she was doing her part to make the ends meet. But after that, we also adjusted our program where we provide the women with a food gift every month so that they have all the groceries they need for the entire month provided for them. But the way that she responded to that challenge in that particular moment really touched me and says a lot about who these women are and how strong their faith is. Yeah. And then that was that was a lady who was entering our training program. Um, but then we have an example like Rhoda, who is one of our employees now, and she helps with the admin work for the James 127 Foundation. She's 29 and she is single, but she chose to adopt two street children, two orphans, and she made them her own legal children. And then she also has her mother who is a widow and then three other widows who are not related to her who she is committed to. So every month when she receives her salary, she sends payments to the two orphan children for their school fees and their food and their clothes. She also provides for these four widows. And then at the end of the day, she's willing to skip dinner every night to be able to give everything she has to these women and children who are relying on her. And even though I offered her a salary increase so that she would have more margin to be able to provide and take care of herself better, she said, no, like no matter what you pay me, I'll always send it out to these other people. And she has a huge lunch every day at our office, but she says, that's enough for me and just lives by faith and trust God that like he will give her exactly what she needs and then the rest she can give away, which Mm -hmm. is tremendous to see. I mean, I don't know many 29 year olds who live that way, such sacrifice. I love a good action step and for the listeners who are compelled by your story and by Kiwani's story, I think it's just eye-opening. It's perspective we need right now. I wanted to give them an opportunity to take a step, to give back, um, to be a hand to someone who across the world is in need. So for the people listening, I want to give them an opportunity to be a part of giving back this holiday season. So I've partnered with you and my friends at Compassion International to bring this conversation of the reality of extreme poverty to the front of our minds this Christmas. So let's tell the listeners what we have planned for them. Anna and her women at Judith and James right now, as we speak, are working on making you a handmade Christmas colored scrunchie. That will be your free gift when you sponsor a child through Compassion International. So Anna, tell us a little bit about that scrunchie and about the different products that you guys make. The scrunchie is a very, very soft fabric that we sourced in Mombasa, which is the second largest city in Kenya. So it's a special material, Mm. but it's very, very wearable and comfortable. And it's a beautiful tie-dye print that's subtle but still interesting and cute and fun 
The scrunchie is handmade by Judith and other women in our sewing center. And it's just something easy to throw on anytime. The price point is reasonable, but of course, as Laura Lee said, you'll receive one as a free gift whenever you sponsor some, a child through Compassion. Um, or the scrunchies are also available on our website, which is j127foundation.com. We also have products on judithandjames.com, which is our other company website. And on that bag, on that website, we have some really interesting leather bags that are made in Ethiopia that Laura Lee will also be featuring on her website. Yeah. So there are many ways to shop and support these women. And there are a few different product lines to various price points for whatever you're looking for. Yeah. So you guys just go to the show description and you'll see a link where you can go and sponsor a child today. And Compassion International is holistically meeting these children's needs and bringing the light of Jesus, um, changing their lives through the light of Jesus, truly. So you can go to that link or you can text right the second. Don't put it off. Don't put it on your to-do list. Just do it. Take that step if you feel the nudge and text your light to 83393. And you'll get a text back with a picture of a child and a link and click that link and you can take the steps to start sponsoring today. I am really excited about this and just honored to be a part of what you're doing, Anna. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be a part of your podcast and excited to engage with your listeners and also learn more about you and your heart for the world and being a voice for the light of Jesus, which I think is incredibly important at this point in life. So thank you for what you're doing. Anna, at the end of every episode, I ask my guests two fun questions. So my first question for you is, what new fun thing have you enjoyed doing in quarantine in Kenya? So this one's a bit cliche, as everyone has seen on Instagram. Many, many people are doing this, but I actually have really enjoyed cooking. So taking time to make, yes, like rich pasta dishes, or I learned how to make Egyptian lentils and German goulash and a few different dishes that I wouldn't normally try. So that's been incredibly fun. And then we also have had a curfew in Kenya. So the dinner time has been very special because we're squeezing in those final hours with friends before we have to be home for curfew at nine o'clock. So I would say definitely cooking and enjoying dinner with friends and learning new styles of Cuisine has been one of my favorite things. Amazing. And then what is a product from Judith and James that you've been loving that you would recommend to the listener? I've really been loving the Judith and James lambskin clutch. So it's a tie-dye leather that's only found in Ethiopia and it's particularly soft. It's almost Mm. like butter. So the Mara clutch is listed on our website. It's in a really beautiful teal color. And there's also a smaller version in navy and some really nice ocean-themed colors. Mm, yes, I love yeah. that one. You sent me a pink one whenever oh, I yeah. got in Mean Girls. And mean Girls. I still use it. I love it. It's my little, <laughs> actually, I turned it into a pin pouch and I carried it Perfect. Around. Yeah. Well, Anna, it was such a joy to talk to you and just thank you so much for some of your time and for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. I really enjoyed it. I am so inspired by Anna. I've admired her from afar as she has given so much to empower women in Kenya and to provide an opportunity for them to build a life for themselves and for their families. 
Anna is doing what many of us here may never be able to do or even feel called to do, but her life can be an example for us of God's heart for the people who are on the outskirts of society, and it reminds us of God's generous love toward us. At the end of every episode, I take some time to open the Word of God and to bring you some truth from Scripture. I am so thankful that you spend some of your time every week listening to this podcast, and I believe that nothing will be more helpful and deeply encouraging than God's words. So today, I'm going to talk about the verse behind Anna's organization, James 1.27. If you have your Bible near or the Bible app on your phone, read along with me. James 1.27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I love the book of James because James writes with the pure and unfiltered honesty. When I meditate on God's heart, when I read his word, and when I learn about the life of our Savior Jesus, I think about Elroy, which means the God who sees. I think sometimes we forget that God sees us. It may feel like you're in the middle of the desert, walking alone and confused and wondering if he even hears your prayers. I'm not sure what that desert looks like for you right now or where you're feeling weak and needy, but I can assure you that God sees you and he is with you and he loves you. It's in that place where he wants to pour out his love and his strength onto us in a way that intimately brings us to know Him. When we think we have everything together, we forget that we desperately need Jesus. When I hear Anna Taylor's story and Kiwani's story, I'm reminded of our God who sees. He sees the family in the middle of poverty in the Philippines, and He's actively working to sustain them and to provide for them. He sees those women in Kenya, desperate for work and for the means to work with their hands and to be able to put food on the table for their children, and he is providing a way where there was no way. For Kiwani, it was one man's monthly gift and letter to her that showed her that God saw her and loved her. For the women in Kenya, he mobilized Anna to go and to be Jesus' hands and feet there in the middle of the slums. And he wants to use you to fulfill his rescue mission. There are lives all around you with more needs than we can fathom. Sometimes I think it's just allowing ourselves to be used by God, looking up and taking time to see where God may be wanting us to love the people in our neighborhood, in our dorm room, or on the streets of our local community. Last week on the podcast, I talked about Galatians 3, where Paul reminds us that our salvation is by grace and through faith in Jesus Christ, that believing in his life, death, and resurrection and receiving that free gift is the key to eternal life with him. Nothing we've done or earned, just given to us. When you believe, God sends you his spirit and you are a new creation, but then something powerful happens. The Spirit works within you to manifest good works through your very life. Paul said that true saving faith expresses itself through love, and loving others, serving them, seeing those on the outside and bringing them in is an outward display of an inward change that has occurred by grace through faith. James says in chapter 2, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. 
If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. James 2, 14-17 I know you may hear me encouraging you to live out your faith, to serve, to give, and to sacrifice, and it may not sound possible to you. Maybe you don't feel like you have anything to give. Maybe you feel so drained right now that thinking about loving someone else sounds impossible. Well, I want you to know that you are in the place where God does His best work. He doesn't need you to be strong, wealthy, healthy, or even excited to use you through the power of the Holy Spirit to change the world around you. I am learning that when we feel weakest is actually when He is able to powerfully use us because we depend less on ourselves and more on God. When we say yes and walk in obedience to that nudge or whatever the thing is that he's calling us to do, he supplies us with everything we need to carry it on to completion. And then the God of all joy and peace and comfort will fill you up in ways that you never could have imagined. We can cling to the truth that his grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in weakness. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for being a God who sees. Thank you for seeing our needs and meeting them in ways that we cannot fully comprehend. Thank you for wanting to use us to be your hands and feet on this earth. What a privilege it is to serve you and to meet practical needs for others around us. Show us this week one step of obedience we can take to love and to give to another person in humility so that they can see and tangibly experience your love for them. Thank you, God, for your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, friend, thanks for listening to the podcast. I cannot believe that next week is the finale of season one. We're already to the end. I have been blown away by all that the Lord has brought to the light here. There is not much that we haven't covered in this season, and it has been just unreal seeing him teach us about his loving character and about the heart of the gospel through the power of people's personal stories, their journeys with Jesus, and the way that he has woven their stories and their calling and artistry together has brought us hope and encouragement in the midst of a weary and sometimes just overwhelming season. It has been such a fun ride this fall, and I'm really looking forward to a short break before we come back in January of 2021 with season two. As always, thanks to Mike Stapleton and Helen Kemeny for the original music heard on the podcast, and thanks to Colleen Bruton for editing the show. Go in light and love, friend, and I will talk to you next week.